welcome to the Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Alex Hudson. Hello. Is it me you're podcasting? <laughs> I think that's it now. No more hellos. <laughs> done, done all of them. The thing is, it didn't even finish the sentence. Surely at the end you put four. No. You didn't mean you are podcasting for? We know that it's not for me. Okay. <laughs> I don't like listening to them back again because of the painful introductions. Welcome to the mid-week slash just Saturday call it special. Just call it our weekly news and reviews. Our weekly this news and reviews. It didn't come out on Wednesday. No, we were basically, to explain, we were at a wedding last week for my brother, so we didn't end up doing... So last week we were indisposed, temporarily. Temporary, meaning that unfortunately we couldn't get the episode out on the Wednesday as usual. So what we're doing today is this one comes out Saturday, and tomorrow you'll get the standard Sunday episode. Back to regular service uh, which this is week. The fiftieth episode, fiftieth anniversary, fifty years we've been doing this shit. Fifty years we've been going podcast on. pioneers. Uh, so yeah, this is the weekly news and reviews episode. Yeah, sure it is. Uh, we'll be doing some news, and then we'll be reviewing uh, multiple films today. We've got three films to review. We've got um, Morgan. Uh, Hannah Highwater and Bad Neighbours 2. Bad Neighbours um, 2 slightly beyond, like, the, like new releases, we've got two. Yes. Bad Neighbours is out on DVD. Yeah, so, uh, let's go Let's go news first, yeah? News, as always, the news hound has been snuffling out truffles. Uh, the first big thing I wanted to talk about was, have you seen that um, Daniel Craig... Yes. Has been offered 150 million I've to do two more Bond films. I've not seen this. Is that too much money for a man who said he'd rather slit his wrists than do another Bond film? It's clearly, not enough money for a man who said that. Because <laughs> <laughs> surely, no amount of money in the world should change that view. Um, 150 million is a lot of money. Do you think that, that franchise good of a Bond? that franchise relies now on Daniel Craig returning? Kind of. In the same way that it also relies on Sam Mendes returning, I think. But do you think they could do another Bond film without Daniel Craig? Well, yeah, obviously. So, so my point is, is 150 million... It just depends if you want them to be of the level that we've had recently. Because we didn't speak about Spectre, did we, on the podcast at any point? Uh, I think we may have Um, mentioned it briefly at one point. But watching that film, I think I said at the time, Mission Impossible 5, Mm. like Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, whichever one that is, is a better Bond film than Spectre. Mm. Because it was. Um, and you watch... The reason is you watch Spectre and Daniel Craig's heart doesn't seem to be in it. He does... I don't know if it comes across as that. I think... I, I didn't. I just didn't think the story was anywhere near as interesting as they needed to make it. Especially after Following Skyfall. on from Skyfall, which is probably the best Bond movie we've had. After Goldeneye. Okay, we'll agree that you're wrong. But I'm right, because Goldeneye's the best Bond that's ever been made. Okay, so... One day we're going to do an episode on Bonds, by the way. I don't know when, and I don't know how it's going to work out. But... It won't work out well. It will take far too long to record. It, and it it's about a four-hour epic. It will not go out. Like, might have to we do don't it... have the bandwidth to might support that. We might have to that. do it by Bond by Bond. Bond by so, Bond. To start... Start oh, okay, Sean Connery, right. then Sorry, I thought you meant like... people called Bond in, <laughs> and then be like... <laughs> Now you talk about James Bond. They're like, we've never seen it. We're just or, called Bond. Or we get old Bonds in again to talk about random people we found. Which Bond? Bond. <laughs> which Bonds do we know? I'm sure Lazenby's up to fuck all. None of them are dead yet. Dalton needs a paycheck. 
you take that back. Dalton doesn't need anything. Dalton works when he wants to because Dalton's fantastic. But I just think that 150 million to bring him back for two movies could end up being a detriment to the film. Two movies is too many. He, d- he needs to do one more, in my opinion. Now, I would like to see one more because I want to see where the Blofeld story goes, like where we yeah. go after what happened with Spectre. But at the same time, I'm happy for them to recast and just get Idris Elba in already. Mm-hmm. Or I'm thinking Rupert Grint. <laughs> I'm thinking Grint will do it. Grint needs a paycheck. <laughs> Grint does about, need... You talk about Dalton needing a paycheck. <laughs> fucking Grint Rupert needs Grint a paycheck. does need a paycheck. Can't um... buy ice cream vans and survive on <laughs> Harry Potter money. <laughs> I'm sure you can survive on No, not, not when you're certain. selling that many Maxibons. <laughs> How are you going to buy in new stock? Oh, Calippos aren't free, mate. Like, give me whatever Rupert Grint's paycheck was for that Harry Potter series, and I can imagine you I will never need it. to work another day. You don't deserve that paycheck, because Rupert Grint did the hardest I, job possible. I can't do awkward as good as Rupert Grint. Try, try trying to be the ginger friend. <laughs> try trying to be Ron Weasley. We've already proven when we do Harry Potter. Doesn't work. Ron Weasley does not survive that first book. Well, he does, Ron but we try our best to yeah, stop spoiler it. Spoiler alert. Okay, so, is it too much? Yes, probably, because $150 million is a lot of money for anything. Don't, just make, just don't make them for a few years. No, just keep, have another hiatus. Keep making bonds. Just have a hiatus. No! Be like, leave it alone for a bit. <laughs> or get Grint in. One of the two. <laughs> Those I are think, your two options. I think it's either Grint or... I don't think we can do it if we don't get Grint. Grint or nothing. Grint or bust. It is a case now. If you, it just go, if you go Grint or go home. That's <laughs> that's the way it works. Okay, what else has been in the news? Um, I've just been reading about this. Basically, the way the article put it that I read was okay. Alan Moore is retiring from comic book writing. Right. What he actually said is, I don't think I'm going to write comic books again. Okay. So he's not actually said I'm never going to. He said I just think he I'm done. Officially announced. I'm done that. with comic books. Okay. Would it be sad if he did stop? Maybe. Because Alan Moore's. Written... I don't know enough. Alan Moore's I know the stuff he's written, some but I don't know. Incredible stuff. Like he wrote Watchmen. He wrote um, the Kidding Joke. Mm-hmm. You know he wrote. Um... He wrote that series of Swamp Thing comics, which are the best Swamp Thing comics, or possibly any comics ever. <laughs> he wrote V for Vendetta. You know he he's prolific in. In what he wrote, and what he wrote was always pretty much well received. He's now writing other stuff and sitting down and interviewing Stuart Lee. Mm-hmm. Saw that the other day. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but would it be sad for him not to go back and you know go again? Don't know, mate. Wouldn't know. Genuinely, wouldn't know. I mean, yes, in a sense, but at the same time, he hasn't impacted my life enough for me to go. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> You're you're a better judge of this than I am. You like these comics that I've heard so much about. <laughs> these graphic novels. They're novels that have got pictures instead of pages. Or on the page. <laughs> instead of pages. Literally, you get in there just What's, a load of Polaroids. What is it? Is it like a picture album? It's an album. What, a, what, a comic book? Yeah. Imagine a PowerPoint slideshow. Already I'm on board. But within a hard-covered book. Off-board. <laughs> PowerPoint slideshows <laughs> only work on Windows XP or later. No, no, because you can turn the page off and it swoop, the picture swoops into the page. Oh, does it dissolve in, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, pixel by pixel? Checkers. Because if it does that, 
Yes. Back on board. And I don't think it does do that. Every... I don't think you can back this shit up. Unless you've got a Kindle that's able to do that, maybe. Everything's done in Word Art. Ooh. The best one, Word Art, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. is metallic, red, white, and blue. <laughs> really? Three, three strips, isn't it? Really? So you, the that's top the of best. The... It's like America, mate, and America's great. <laughs> I, like, I like the blue one. Or prison. Kind of, I like the blue one that kind of bends round. <laughs> okay. Saddo. Um, Word Art. Is dominated by metallic, shiny, red, white, and blue. And one for the classics, mate. That's not a classic. Or the red one with the white outline. I mean, this is coming from a man who also loves Comic Sans as a font. (laughs) And I think trying to hand in all of his dissertation in Comic Sans. I was got told at work. I got told off having Comic Sans as my email signature. Like... This is why do you have Comic Sans? Because I like. Why Comic is that Sans? an option? Right. Why do you like Comic Sans? Because it's a great little. It's it's fun. It's the fun version of the font. I like the Times New Roman. Boring as shit. Yeah, but business, Comic Sans down to business. Yeah, that's why I got told I can't you, use it. You are because the human equivalent of Comic Sans. <laughs> I take that as a compliment. I mean, what what we said before this podcast was we'll try and smash this one out quickly. We've got bogged down <laughs> in fonts. Okay, so what were we talking about beforehand? Oh, Next bit Alan, Alan Moore's retiring. Fine. Maybe. If he wants to, then let him. He's ancient. He's, <laughs> he needs time off. Um, the next one is just a bit of a follow-on from what we were talking about last last week where we said Deathstroke um, Ben Affleck showed an image of Deathstroke he's the main villain in Batman well, they've, dickhead they've now managed that's what I found but, out he um, might also be in Justice League, Justice League but we don't know uh, Joe Mangiello or Mangiello or however you say his name the guy from True Blood the guy from Magic Mike True Blood the guy from um, the first Spider-Man film where he played Flash Thompson True Blood the guy from oh True Blood but not uh, Turtle from <laughs> from Entourage uh, he was being. He was also into the girls. Okay. Can't name it. Magic Mike XXL. Done. But doesn't really count if you do both of the Magic Mike films as separate things. Um, but he's going to be playing. They've announced he's going to definitely be playing Deathstroke, which I think is really interesting because he is a man mountain. Mm-hmm. Like he is an Adonis of a man. Mm-hmm. So to see him go up against uh, Ben Affleck, mm. you know, he's somebody who is actually because Ben Affleck isn't a small guy. No. But to see somebody who is even overpower, uh, physically overpowering to him will be interesting. But I did say this when I was told about this. And somebody went, oh, this is going to be Ace. You know, the Batman, uh, if they called it the Batman, is going to be really cool because of this. And I was like, the thing is, I now cannot get my hopes up against about anything DC do. Also, because we've already had a Deathstroke film called Deadpool. Because <laughs> they're basically the same, right? No. But he's called Slade Wilson. Yeah. Come on. Like, no. if you're going to steal, try harder than that. Marvel stole it from yeah, DC. That's what I'm saying. But if you're going to if you're going to steal, but they did it as a as a kind of sly jab, didn't they? Well, it worked, and also they got the film out first. And from what I've been told, it's basically the same sort of thing. <laughs> he's good with guns. He's a good fighter. He's got has he got swords? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. I've seen that film. Yeah. Don't need to see it again, and particularly because it's coming from Warner Brothers. I saw that film. It was Blade. Yeah. Why didn't make Deadpool? He's got. He's got. He's but got he doesn't swords. have a fucked up face, does he? 
Nobody said anything about fucked up faces. You didn't. You didn't mention that in your previous. Yeah, that's a key part of Deadpool. <laughs> it's, the, it's where not, most not of the humor arose from. No, he had only no. not not any. Uh, at times he has he one eye. Mask? At times he has one eye. Yeah, because he got stabbed in it. Should be more careful, shouldn't he? Yeah. Idiot. I mean, he's clearly not as good with weapons as Deadpool <laughs> is. Because Deadpool, as much as his face is fucked up, he's got both his eyes, hasn't he? Uh, so yeah, they've announced that, and they what they're saying is. They think it's a screen test, that thing that we saw previously. They think it was a screen test for the Batman movie. Mm-hmm. But there's also potential for him to be in Justice League as well. Don't put him in it. No? No. No? No. No. Steppenwolf, isn't it? <laughs> Steppenwolf's going to be the bad guy. Yeah. Shut up, I know things. <laughs> Steppenwolf. Surprised me every Singing so Magic Carpet Ride, right? <laughs> or Born to be Wild, one of the two. <laughs> Very good jokes about Steppenwolf there. Last bit of news. Yeah. Um, on the Spider-Man Homecoming set. Again. Why are we... We don't get away from Spider-Man at the moment. Every week we've got Spider-Man news. Have we? Yeah, I think the last two weeks running we've done Spider-Man. Okay. Weekly Spider-Man news. Okay. Um, there's been pictures released of set photos mm-hmm. so showing what looks to be the shocker in the Ooh. movie. Um, now, One of my favourites. We've already had News that Vulture's in this, definitely. Yeah, played by uh, John Malkovich. No. Correct. No. Played by Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. And then also there's potential for Shocker to be in this as well. Who's playing Shocker? I don't know. Quivon Janae Wallace? Maybe. No, she's in the film already, right? I don't think It was one of the high school students. I don't think so. Okay. They've missed a trick. That's what I'm thinking. Um, but basically, do you think that's too... Do you think it's right to put multiple villains in a movie... Spider-Man 3 did it. Look what happened there. Spider-Man 2 did it. Amazing Spider-Man 2 did it. Spider-Man 2, the thing he did it, though, because you got Alfred Molina as Doc Ock, then you got Harry Osborn as sort of the weird, like, fucking... But it was mainly Doc Ock, wasn't it? It was mainly Doc Ock. Do you think... My theory on this is, I reckon, if they put the shocker in it, I think it's going to be... Know how um, Crossbones was used in Civil War Mm. as somebody kind of... Show Spider-Man just basically taking down somebody. I don't think they're going to use him as a main villain. But Shocker's a better villain. Yeah? Yeah, because he wears a yellow and brown suit, and I like it. It looks cool. Yeah, they've kind of done the Marvel thing where no. they've kind of used the colour scheme and made it more practical to what we know now. No. I'm off board. I'm not going to see this <laughs> film now. So confident am I that they've ruined it by not giving him the exact same costume he had in the comics. Okay, but that's news. Okay, done. good news. Let's smash some news out. Let's let's do a review. Which one do you want to start with? Let's start with Morgan. We both saw Morgan. Yes, so we saw Morgan. Uh, do you want to explain what Morgan is? Morgan is a new science fiction sort of futuristic-y uh, things gone wrong in a science experiment film. Uh, directed by Luke Scott, the son of Ridley. Produced by Ridley Scott in the same way that Will Smith seems to be involved in Jaden's career to a degree. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, it's it's essentially another retelling of sort of what what do we do when we're start, starting creating these sort of AI characters? Yes. Yeah, so Morgan is a Morgan a is bio- a synthetic biological. Clone, not clone, but the way they explain it is they up. put nanotechnology into biology mm. and then actually gave birth to and you and know what is technically an AI. Yeah, and there's been a lot of these films over the last sort of ten years that have dealt with this issue. Um, most recently, we had Ex Machina, which was exceptional. 
We also had things like Splice, which was less exceptional. But, you know, you've had you've had an influx in the sort of the last 15 years, I'd say, of films exploring that sort of world. And, you know, they try and tie it into relevance by saying, you know, there's a lot of stem cell research debate going on and stuff mm. like that. And you think, OK, I can kind of see where you're coming from. Uh, Morgan, Morgan feels like half of two films to me. Yeah. Morgan does feel like half of Ex Machina and half of like a Jason Bourne movie. In the sense that this character is learning new stuff about themselves all the time. Because if you bring up a, a new life form in isolation, it then doesn't have frames of reference for things. And they are teaching it. And, it, you know, they make a point of saying, you know, Morgan's only five years old. Yeah. But she's in like, but she's but she in looks like about, a what, teenage 18? body. Yeah. And, and you think, okay, fine. So you're sort of using that sort of childlike innocence thing of saying, they don't understand the way the world works. We have to explain it to them. And, you know, sometimes they process that information in ways that we don't expect and them to. The story is basically um, Kate Mara's character is brought in as a risk assessor. To uh, see whether this has Because worked. the start, start image of the film, and it's not spoiling anything because it's the first image, is we see Morgan dive across the table and stab a woman in the eye. Mm. One, of the, one of the scientists. And that's what Kate Mara's brought in to basically say, is it viable going ahead with this project or do we shut this down? Mm. And that's that's basically and that's the story. That's that, that's what the rest of the film turns into is just a sort of evaluation of whether this whether this project has been a success or not. I don't know if you got this, uh, but I was speaking to somebody else about it uh, the other day and I said because you're not really a gamer, are you? No. Um but know the way the film starts it seemed very much like a cutscene from a game. Because you get Kate Marr driving towards this um, old dilapidated house where all these scientists live. Mm. And you've got Rip Torn's voice like, um, Kate Mara, I need you to go to the house and find out if the Morgan Project is viable. And it's just like an exposition bomb. And it's like, also, some of the scientists might have become attached. So we need to find out mm. whether or not they are on side. And then they're like, I can imagine this being the start of a game and then going yeah. into that house. And I get what you mean. It's it's very sort of I mean there's there's a lot of films that do it like that where they just go well you yeah. get a voiceover where someone's speaking on the phone or something like that mm. because that's the neatest way they can think of it's like but actually you don't need to give that it's an exposition dump mm. it's basically just going here's everything you need to know let's go and to be honest it's more to set up her character as a risk assessor because you're not really sure what she's doing yeah but you know the best films don't spoon feed you that the best films don't explain everything away i mean ex machina did it to an extent where he says you know you won the competition to come here and you know you're here to assess whether whether she's sort of yeah acceptable for whether she passes the test this film just sort of gives it to you in the first 30 seconds and then goes there's your film be on with it <laughs> and then you get 90 minutes of sort of sci-fi action yeah, it's it's a you know right. It's a film that doesn't really know what it wants to do. Whether it wants to be an action film or whether it wants to be a film that, it's, that it's questions, questions Ex Machina but asks not... questions, but then has like say we've said this one or two action set pieces in the whole thing. Yeah, I'd say and one. Set, set real... pieces is a is a bit of a stretch. It's not really action, is it? It's... No, it's 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 just a more intense sequence. Yeah, but and actually, but it has that feeling of dread throughout. But it's there to ask questions of why are we here um what are we and things like that this film sets itself its stored up as if it's going to ask similar questions of mm. let's explore the human psyche and 
you know what what we are doing here on this earth. Yeah. But instead, it suddenly just turns into probably about halfway through. Yeah. Or just over halfway, it turns into an action film. Mm. Um, and it kind of goes, let's forget everything we had before. Yeah, and you, the questions are never resolved, but that, that's not an issue in itself because they don't have to be resolved. Mm. Because, you know, with X Machina, the, the questions weren't resolved. They're there this, to make you think. Yeah, you came out of the cinema or came out of the watching it on DVD and going, mm, okay, let me think about that. Whereas this, it just sort of goes, oh, forget about everything. Now with this film, and that's fine, you know. If you want to, if you want to make the film that sort of straddles both of those, then you can. But I think there's just a better way of making that film, and it's not anywhere near as clever as it thinks it is. No, not at all. I think basically my thought process on this was, director-wise, I don't think he's done too bad a job. It look there's definitely shots and stuff that I really like. Mm. Um, there's flashbacks into a forest that I think all look really nice, and it kind of builds this world quite nicely but I think it's let down by a story that like you said thinks it's better than it is it's just a bit plodding I think I think mm. it goes through all the tropes of science fiction type films and artificial intelligence type films and it doesn't really bring anything new to the table and you know not everything does have to bring anything new to the table but what you'd want is it to be a well-rounded film and it yeah. just isn't unfortunately. But to say that um, is it annotated joy? Yeah. As Morgan um, really good. Really good. Really impressed by her. Mm. And I think the cast weren't too bad. Um, I like the Scottish chef. The only person I didn't like was... Kate Mara. Kate Mara. And I, the way I put it to you is, in my mind, it seemed like what they'd done is, when you're at, say, school or university and you're put into a play, and they say, and everyone's about, say, the same age, and they go, oh, Alex, you need to play somebody who is the dad, so you need to play yourself... 10, 15 years older. I was always the dad. You were always the dad. But you need to play older than yourself. Mm. And I honestly thought, Kate Mara, the way her character came across, so she's, what, 20... Let's say let's say 25, I, I, I guess. Okay. Um, her character, the way they put her across, should be like 35, 40. Mm. You know, uh, an older, more mature head. Yeah. But she comes into this place with all these older scientists, and she, uh, the way she puts herself across is though. She's an older person. I understand why they did it with Kate Mara because they needed somebody to do the action bits. But I honestly thought it was a bit miscast, and it seemed like quite stilted. Yeah, it just it it felt a little bit sort of detached and wooden. And it it did take me out. It's a performance that did take me out at times where I was just like, it doesn't seem to flow well. Mm. But is that to do with the story, with the writing? Is it the writing's fault and not the performance fault? I think uh, you know, it's not it's not the worst film I've seen this year. No, it's by no means the best film I've seen this year. But what it is is a fairly solid sort of by the numbers. Science yeah, it's nothing film. special. And the thing is, I think I, I won't remember it. No, come uh, it, when we get to the end of the year review, I don't think it will get a mention. And the because thing it's just purely background. The thing is, I think I hyped it up more in my own mind mm. because I I thought it was Ridley Scott's film when I mm. went in. Until you said, actually, no, it's his son. And I really wanted to see what Ridley Scott followed the Martian up with. Mm. So I kind of got myself excited about it. And actually, I think that's where my disappointment comes. But like you said, it's not bad, but it's not special. No. There's nothing It doesn't stand do. out. Um, would you recommend it? I wouldn't go out of my way to see it. There's better things at the cinema. Though. Yeah. That, this is the problem. So, no, I wouldn't recommend it in terms of there are more worthwhile ways to spend your time in the cinema. I wouldn't recommend it, but I wouldn't tell you to turn it off if it came on TV. 
Yeah, fine. If you said I haven't seen it. Okay, next, let's go to another film you saw on the same day. Yeah. Um, you went and watched an unlimited screening yeah. of Hello High Water. Preview screening of Hello High Water, which is a new um, sort of... Talk to me about it. The way to describe it, I, I guess it's sort of neo-Western in in some sense, in the sense that, you know, it, it's got that very traditional setup of it's basically cowboys and Indians, but mm. the Indians have all moved to reservations and things like that. Whereas the, um, and the cowboys are dying out. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, Chris Pine and Ben Foster play two brothers who decide to rob banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason to do this. It's to safeguard the future of Chris Pine's children, basically their financial future. Um, and it, it focuses on their their plan to rob these banks over the course of a week. And Jeff Bridges plays the uh, Texas Ranger trying to stop them, trying yeah. to find them. Now, what I will say about it is it's excellently directed, excellently written. You know, it's from the writer of Sicario and which apparently is great. the I'm director still not of Starred Up, which is an exceptional yeah. film. Really is that good. the one with... Uh, Jack O'Connell. That's the one. Yeah, the prison drama. Who I like, Jack O'Connell, actually. Jack O'Connell's a very good actor. Um, and it is a really well-made film. Uh, it's got an excellent score done by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Mm. Just really evocative, really beautiful landscape shots of just sort of dust bowl sort of Texas. It's, all set in, it's mainly set in West Texas. And uh, it's, it's essentially a eulogy for an America that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. And it talks about the fact that the old ways are dying out. At the heart of it are three very, very good performances by Ben Foster, by Chris Pine, and by Jeff Bridges. Um, I think Jeff Bridges steals the show in terms of his relationship with his sort of deputy mm-hmm. that he's travelling around with his partner is really, really beautifully done. It's funny. It's at times quite emotional and heartbreaking. And it's all about, he's basically leading up to his retirement and his partner's there complaining that he gets he gets all this abuse from Jeff Bridges and Jeff Bridges is like, hey, when I've retired, that's the stuff you're going to miss. Yeah. You're not going to miss the good times. You're going to miss the stuff where I'm mocking you or I'm having a go at you. I always say the same but when you walk away from this podcast. So so that that between those two is a really interesting performance to watch because they've got a great back and forth and their story is just as interesting as the story of the two brothers um ben foster puts in a really good performance he's basically the brother from the wrong side of the tracks the one yeah. who's been in prison whereas chris pine is a very clean cut guy family guy divorced but he wants to care for his kids and provide for them in a way that no one's ever been able to provide for him it's it's really good. It is really, really good. The performances, I think, you may well see a couple of them at Oscar season. I, I think really? I genuinely think that Jeff Bridges and potentially Ben Foster may well get a, a nod at Oscar well, Chris, time. Uh, this is, I mean, this is the best that I've ever seen Chris Pine. Well, we were talking about this. And I, I don't think I've seen Chris we... Pine do anything that I'm really wowed by before. Well, before you like, went I enjoyed we... Beyond. Star Trek yeah. Beyond was his best performance till this date. But that was more to do with the film. But I've never seen him push himself and do something really sort of out of, Before out of character. Before you went into this film, we were, I said to you, for some reason I really like Chris Pine. He's a likeable screen like, presence. And I was like, I'm, I, for some reason in my mind, he's, he's actually a good actor. 
And when we look through his thing, I was like, I don't think I've actually ever seen him in something. But I go, apart from maybe the Star Trek films, I go, oh, he's great in that. Mm. But then you came back and said, he's oh no, he's, he's good in this. this. Is it. You said he's good in um, this. And I was like, actually, I'm happy for him to actually get a role that lets him test himself because I want to see him do something more. Yeah. I wouldn't say that you'll see him come Oscar time. No. I don't think his performance is that strong. But I think it's far stronger than, uh, you know, any performance I've ever seen him give before. And Ben Foster's one of those who I think he flits between great performances and not so it's, great It's a similar thing to Colin Farrell in the sense that if he's, if he's chosen the right project, he's really good. If he chooses the wrong one, it can be slightly strange. I like Colin Farrell. I like Colin Farrell as well, but only when Colin Farrell's good Colin Farrell. I don't like Colin Farrell when he's bad. <laughs> but again, Ben Foster gives a performance that's really nice. Um, but I think Jeff Bridges really steals the show, as mm-hmm. he tends to. And again, Jeff Bridges is one who in recent years has been disappointing. You know, he's had a few in the last five years where you think, really? Come on. But this is him in his element. This is, this is him this is his back to sort of the form of true grit and going, this is this is a performance I really enjoy giving. So I I think, you know, if I was to if I was to recommend this or Morgan, it's this all day long. Yeah. It's the best film that I've seen in a little while now. And it's it's a really neatly told story and both the strands are as equally interesting as each other. Yeah. And I think it would be easy to go oh, well, let's focus on the brothers and then ignore the fact... But actually, they spend more or less equal time with both, and I don't... If you switch between them, I don't feel like, oh, I really wish I could have stayed with that more. Mm. I'm there going, oh, let's see what's going on over here. No, it sounds great. I, I'll i catch it at some point. So that came out uh, yesterday, Friday. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely check that one out. What is it? What is in cinemas? Um, finally, let's quickly talk about Bad Neighbours 2, because we... Yeah. We wanted something to watch the other day, so we threw it on. Um, I didn't hold much hope for it, I'll be honest. Um, it's Comedy just, sequels are always dangerous the territory. Especially we've had they? this year. Um, I did, it's a follow-up to Bad, uh, Bad Neighbours, or just Neighbours, um, depending on where you're from, uh, which is the Seth Rogen film where basically him and his wife, um, Rose Byrne, yeah. are trying to sell their property, and the, in the first one, it was a frat house next door, this time it's a sorority house. Um, yeah, and it's the the premise is surprising. Well, is is unsurprising in the sense that it is basically the first film, but they've just changed yeah. who lives next door, and the, the 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 setup is instead of them just moving into this house, it's they're move, they're, they're trying now to trying to move out. But you know, it it works. I'm gonna be honest. I think I it's better really than the enjoyed original. This. I think it's. I, I enjoyed it more than I like the first one. Yes. What I really like in this is, again, it's this thing of Zac Efron when he's good, he's, he's very good. good. I really like Zac Efron as a as an actor, and I think this was a this was a really good example of what he can do. Mm. I haven't seen Dirty Grandpa this year, <laughs> but I don't really want to. But I feel like it may well have to be seen just to be eligible for the worst of the year. But from all all the accounts I've heard, he's terrible in it. But it's a terrible film. This film, I think, really works. It really works. And the thing is, it, it instead of being like the first one, which the first one was just, oh, we've got a frat house, they actually tried to put something in this, which was the fact that a sorority, and I don't know if this is true or not, maybe you could tell me, having lived in America I at some point. I haven't been in a sorority in America, uh, A sorority are not allowed to throw parties. They um, have to just attend the frat house's parties. And that's the thing, the gender politics in this is 
quite in depth and detailed in a way that in the first one it was just about guys having fun and doing outrageous things to each other whereas there is a sort of message at the heart of this it does get overdone towards the end yeah it, it definitely really pushes the envelope at the end where it kind of goes oh this is this is why we're doing this this is this is and the it gets, girl part. it does get a bit grating but, on that but be- before that i'm happy the message is it's solid and it's delivered well but also, there are some hilarious moments in this. There were times when, basically, the sorority go further from what the men's house would have done. Yeah. You know, um, there's definitely one of the funniest lines from this year in this film. Yeah, yeah. But again... <laughs> but I won't, and I won't even spoil it, because no, I think... It's, it's a film you need to watch and experience all of that firsthand. But there's stuff where, you know, they're doing something, and then Zac Efron comes downstairs, and it's like, oh, that's really funny. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we've really done this. And then he's like, oh, that's disgusting. And it sort of shows the double standards between male humour and female yeah. humour and saying, well, why can't the same apply? In the same way that Bridesmaids did it really brilliantly a few years ago, you you get that element of going, well, why can't we have a girl's comedy? Why can't we have a, a female-driven comedy? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, the antagonists are all yeah. females. Now you've got them doing the same sort of thing they were doing in the first one, but actually it's funnier, and actually it's it's not grosser, but the way they make it sort of seem like, oh, Zac Efron's really offended by this stuff. It's like, but you were doing stuff this bad in the, in it's, the it's original. It's when they turn around and they say, oh yeah, we, we did this with our dicks, you would find this funny. Yeah, and he we stands there and bags like, of dicks at their window, and he's and he there like, and he goes, yeah, yeah, actually, I bags of dicks would be funny. hilarious. Yeah. Um, but no, I think they do really well of making it so um, when when people's minds change and when things happen, it all really works well. And it's not going to be the best film of the year, but that's not what they're trying to do. They're trying to just make a comedy that makes you laugh. And I think when you compare it to the first, and I think having the first as a comparison point actually works really well. Because I didn't mind the first. I thought it was funny at times. Was fine. But this really made me laugh. Yeah. Like, there were definitely moments where I've, I found it hilarious. And I think everyone... Really nailed it. I don't think they could do a third, and I really don't want them to do a third. I didn't no. really think they could do a second, but watching it surprised me. Yeah, um, and I would wholeheartedly recommend this and go, even if you didn't really even like the first, just watch this because I I really enjoyed it. It's weird that actually the first film now seems like the unnecessary one. Yeah, like this this was the film that they should have made first time round. But then again, but I don't to think set it this up. They needed to have the yeah. Yeah. And, but now you look back at the first one, you're like, it's all right. This one's funny. Yeah. This one's really good. Really funny. Uh, it's not the best comedy of the year no. because we've had the nice guys, but it's still pretty good. And you know what? If it's on TV, you definitely watch it. And actually, you know, it's the kind of thing that I would probably be up buy on DVD yeah. just to say if you're looking for something to watch one night, you're looking through your DVD case, you go, actually, oh yeah, yeah. let's watch yeah. Bad Neighbors too. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, recommend we recommend Bad Neighbors too. Uh, recommend Hello High Water. Really recommend um, Hello High Water. Don't really recommend. Morgan, but if it's on TV and you can't bother to change mm. the channel, just watch it. Uh, I think that's where we're going to have to leave it today. We've gone a little bit over, I think. Um, I'm sure you will be able to find some edit points in here. <laughs> um, but as ever, thank you for joining us. Um, uh, you can find us on Twitter at DinosaurMan15. You can find us on Facebook under Dinosaurman Nerdcast. Let us know what you think of anything we've discussed today. Uh, thank you to Johnny Needs as ever for the theme song. We're available on iTunes. Stitcher. Stitcher. Uh, the other one, Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout. Um, please rate, subscribe, share amongst your friends, help us be seen by more people. I think that's everything. Until next time, thank you, Alex. You're welcome. Thank you. No, all. thank you as well, thank actually. You me. Yeah, thank you, you. Um, yeah, until next time. 
uh, don't have a cow, man. <laughs> That's right, it's 1992. Dinosaur. Dinosaur, man.